Thanks for tuning in to the Beauty Closet Podcast. Today's episode is made possible by our friends at Plum Beauty. Taking care of your skin makes an enormous difference in how you look and in how you feel. And the power of doing it at home every day instead of at the occasional spa appointment is undeniable in terms of the results you get. Plum Beauty's line of skincare devices not only make your skin look better, refreshed, supple, and more radiant, they also help bring you into the moment and take you away from your laptop and phone. We love the Ionic Facial Steamer. It feels so good and really does the job. An amethyst vibrating facial massager, it also feels incredible. And the facial hair remover, it doesn't hurt at all and it works like a dream. And those are just a few of our favorites. All Plum Beauty devices work on every skin type, are easy to use at home, and are priced so gently, it's kind of unbelievable. Find Plum Beauty at your local CVS and Target stores, or shop online. Visit myplumbeauty.com to find a store location near you. Hi, I'm Jean Godfrey-June, and this is Megan O'Neill. We are the beauty editors at Goop. And you're listening to Goop's podcast series, The Beauty Closet, where we talk about all things beauty, clean, non-toxic beauty, skincare, hair care, body care, self-care, and the way we think about beauty, both as individuals and in the wider culture. Okay, I cannot even believe who we're talking to today. Like, I feel like we've made it. (laughs) Our guest today is award-winning actress Taraji P. Henson. The P stands for Penda, which I never knew. It's a fun fact. Taraji has too many accolades to list here, but to touch on a few, she was nominated for the Best Supporting Actress Oscar in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. She won a Golden Globe for Best Performance by an Actress in a TV Drama for Empire. She won a SAG Award for Outstanding Performance by a Cast in Hidden Figures. Loved Hidden Figures. Just loved. (laughs) And she sang vocals for the Oscar-winning theme song of Hustle and Flow. She's also the author of a best-selling autobiography, Around the Way Girl, it's called, which this whole week you've been raving about to me because it's so, so good. I'm telling you, everyone needs to read this book. She has lived so much life at this point. You, you cannot stop turning the pages. It's just surprising how her life evolved. She's one of those people who's overcome so much adversity just through being themselves. She has just such a spirit like she's yeah. she does the very hard work and she charges ahead and she makes it happen she has a lot to say about being a single mom growing up in close proximity to domestic abuse raising a black son I cannot recommend her book more highly it's I, so I, started, good. <laughs> I started reading it and it's so hard to do my work like I just want to <laughs> and Taraji was also named one of Time magazine's most influential people She's an advocate for mental health, especially addressing it in Black communities where it's historically been under-acknowledged, and hosts a show about mental health and founded a mental health organization. She's also a beauty entrepreneur. She just launched her own hair care line, TPH by Taraji, which we'll get into with her. I mean, she's got the glossiest hair. I want to know more about her hair routine. She does. Yeah, her like incredible skin, her soft shiny hair. Like, yeah, I want it all. She gets into all of it. Such a good episode. So let's get to Taraji. We are so excited to have you 
on our podcast today, Tarajit. Reading your amazing, incredible book, I feel like you've lived more than a single life's worth of living already. <laughs> and for me, you capture that sense of like mucking around that we all do as young people and that in your incredible drive and ambition come through it like so powerfully. Where do you think that came from? And how do we encourage that, you know, that like sort of proud ambition in ourselves and our children? I think it comes partly from, you know, both of my parents were blue collar workers. My mom's retired and my dad passed away in 06, but my mother was from the South and she was raised in, in the home. My grandfather was a sharecropper. So she literally moved from the South to Washington, D.C. and started at a department store called Woodward and Lothrop. And she started in the basement putting tags on merchandise and she worked her way all the way up the corporate ladder to becoming a boss, like a manager of an oh. office with people under her. So, you know, watching her do that and watching my dad lose it all and get it back and homeless and him promising me, I can, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get everything that I said. And he did it before he passed away. You know, that's kind of mm. in me. And then another part of it is, you know, growing up where I grew up, you know, being in the hood, it kind of, you either going to survive or you're going to you're going to sink, you know? (laughs) So I have fight in me because, you know, I watched my parents, you know, start from nothing. And then my mom, when she divorced my dad, walked away with, uh, with nothing but me and clothes on our backs pretty much. And Mm -hmm. a suitcase full of stuff and started all over from scratch. So I've seen this happen in my life since a little girl. And I I just know how to do it. Right. And did you always want to be a performer? How was that encouraged or discouraged when you were growing up? I think the acting bug or the performing bug bit me when I was in kindergarten. I was always an outspoken, rambunctious child. I had a lot of energy, a lot of energy. And I remember kindergarten, we were graduating and they asked me to sing The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow. I guess they were trying to channel all of this energy (laughs) that I had. (laughs) And I remember walking up to the mic and I remember messing up a little bit. I think I did it too loud. And then I said, (gasps) and everybody laughed. And I was like, (laughs) ooh, that was, I like that feeling. That's all good. (laughs) And so I started, I was literally like baby magic and my family, they were always the loudest in the audience cheering me on, giving me the confidence I needed to to be me. And whether I was on the stage or at home while they were sitting on the sofa, they would always encourage me. Go ahead, TJ, sing that song. I would do a cheer or poem. They would always cheer me on and egg me on and, you know, boost my little ego and had me <laughs> thinking I was a star at five years old. <laughs> Are you TJ to your friends? TJ to my family. Ah, My friends call me Taraji. My best friend is the one who coined the name Tej for me. I don't know where that came from, but she's been (laughs) calling me Tej for years. Your mom and your dad are sort of like these two poles in terms of their influence on you. And you sort of alluded to just now, just sort of that they were always bolstering your confidence, but their their ideas that they conveyed to you around confidence, but also just like beauty, like how you felt about how you look. My mom is a girl girl, you know, and she could do her hair really well. And she 
always dressed herself up really pretty and makeup. And that's what I grew up around. And she had a core group of girlfriends that would come and visit. And, you know, one of her girlfriends had this incredible shoe collection. And I was just around women like that all the time. And my mom had five sisters. My Aunt Janie passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately, but Aww. there were five, you know, of them and they are all girls, girls and makeup and hair. And when they get together, oh, we gonna wear. And so <laughs> I grew up like that. I think I think I was a perfect mixture of girly girl and Tom because I could switch it up, you know, because I still like to run outside with the boys and I like to, you know, dig mm-hmm. in the dirt until I reach the red <laughs> clay and make something out of the clay. And then I loved catching tadpoles and putting them in a bucket and watching them turn into frogs and then setting them free. But I also <laughs> like to play with my doll babies and I also like to play domesticated stuff like be- baking cakes. And so I was just a well-rounded kid. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Were you always secure about how you looked or did that evolve in your career? I think I put on the front that I was secure, but underneath I kind of questioned how I look a couple times. And I think it was when I came to Hollywood and the certain guys I dated, you know, that's why you can't listen to people. That confidence <laughs> has to come from within. And even though um, I let those things affect me, I never let it show. I find myself now, when I look back at my younger pictures, because a friend of mine, Lisa Vidal, posted a throwback picture yesterday. She was like, back when I didn't appreciate what I had. And I was like, wow, I wanted to post that. I found two pictures of me and I zoomed in and I was like, damn, girl, you didn't even realize. (laughs) Like back then, because you got to remember in Hollywood at the time when I came out, they were looking for a more European black woman, you know, and. It wasn't so vogue to rock your natural hair and things like that. So I didn't know where I fit in because I didn't have my hair. I had to perm it to make it straight. You know, I had to press it and and, or put a weave in it and things like that. So it made me feel some kind of way about how I looked naturally. You know what I mean? I I wish Mm -hmm. I was growing up in now. I wish what was happening now with black women and embracing our natural hair and looks and everything, I don't wish that I could do things over often, but mm-hmm. I just honestly wish I could have come up in a time like now where, you know, it's not about looking European. It's about embracing what the hell grows out of your head. That's just how oh. I come. Just like yes. I can't erase this color off my skin. You know what I'm saying? This is just how I come And Why do I have to feel some kind of way about that? I can't change it. I mean, I could, but yeah. why would I want to? Yeah, there was a shoot you mentioned in the book with, I think, Bruce Weber about having like braids and you were like super uncomfortable. And then when you saw the pictures, you were like, oh, my God. It wasn't (laughs) even about the pictures. It was because the pictures I hadn't seen yet. You know, Mm, I don't um, I don't like to look at usually I'll look. He had to make me come look at the camera goes look at because, you know, he shoots film. So there was mm -hmm. nothing I couldn't look look at. at. I was just like, but what did it for me? was when I came out of the dressing room and how the men responded. Oh. And they were all like, oh my God, you are gorgeous. And I was like, what? Because I came out like a wet chicken trying to hide myself, like, uh, <laughs> all feeling all awkward. I was like, are you sure we can't just put a wig on? And he was like, no, your face is beautiful. And it's not about your hair, it's about your face. And the men made me feel so confident. And I I really honestly think I killed that photo shoot because of 
you know, you're in Hollywood or whatever, and you feel already self-conscious about your look. You're trying to fit in with the straight European hair or whatever. And so now when you strip me down, who, who am I without it? You know what I mean? Because yeah. you conditioned me to make me feel like this is the norm and this is how I should look. It right. does a doozy on your mental and your self-confidence. It really does. Your hair was braided, you're saying? Like that's... That yeah, way. it was braided down in a pattern, like almost like a wig cap. But the young lady, Kendra, who braids my hair, the style looks like art. It's and gorgeous. Bruce gorgeous. Weber is an artist, and that's what he saw. Yeah. <laughs> and who am I to snuff another artist's vision out, you know? So I had to lean in and, and trust, trust his vision. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get right back to Taraji P. Henson. We love an at-home spa moment here at Goop. After a long day or a long week, one of the best things you can do for yourself is step away from your laptop, leave your phone in the next room, and devote a few minutes to taking care of your skin. Plum Beauty's line of skincare devices not only make your skin look better, refreshed, supple, more radiant, they also help bring you into the moment and take you away from your laptop and your phone. Their best-selling Ionic Facial Steamer helps detoxify pores and leave skin clean, hydrated, and primed to absorb any serums or potions you might apply after. Holding your head over the warm stream of steam also feels incredible, exactly like a professional facial. The Amethyst Vibrating Facial Massager gently vibrates, waking up your entire face and helping products penetrate more effectively. Pro tip. Dab on your favorite eye cream, then hold the facial massager over the under eye area to help the formula sink in. It feels fantastic and there's this great, subtle depuffing effect too. The facial hair remover uses rotary blade technology to painlessly remove hair. It's just an amazing device and it works like a dream. Every Plum Beauty device works, no matter your skin type, is easy to use at home, and the gentle prices always kind of blow us away, especially considering the kinds of results they're delivering. The idea is to look like the most rejuvenated, relaxed, gleamiest version of yourself. Plum Beauty is the no-brainer solution, hands down. Find Plum Beauty at your local CVS and Target stores or shop online. Visit myplumbeauty.com to find a store location near you. Okay, let's get back to our chat with Taraji P. Henson. You and Megan actually have like a growing up hair torture who your mom torturing you with like brushing your hair moment was was that moment learning to love your hair the Bruce Weber moment or did it sort of evolve after you gave up being tortured by your mom having your hair brushed? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I was tender headed and how the hell the, but I, was I ever tender headed because my hair was very dense. It's very dense and thick, very. And but I guess I don't know. I was very tenacious and I was very dramatic, literally screaming and running, <laughs> being chased down, pins. My mom would put me in between her legs and like clamp her legs around me because of, ah! I was very dramatic. The reason why I'm an actress. I would say for me, when I first learned how to work with my own, because that's why my mother had to perm my hair, you see. She had to relax it because I would not sit still. Mm -hmm. I was wearing relaxer in my hair for 26 years. And then when I did baby boy, 
the hairstylist on there saw my roots and I was like, oh my God, no, I need to touch up. It's terrible. It's nappy, nappy, nappy. And she was like, girl, your hair is not nappy. Stop saying that. And she gave me this whole speech about natural hair and how I didn't need to, to uh, put any chemicals in it. And so I listened to her and I grew it out. But then I didn't remember, I've had my hair processed since the age of six to 29. That's a long time. And that's all I knew. So I listened to her and I grew it out. But when it came time to work with my hair, I cried because the comb, the brush was stuck in my hair and my sister came in and she just saw, she was, I was like, oh, I was inaudible. And I wanted to shave my head because I didn't know what the hell to do with it. And I booked this television show. I can't remember the half and half. I think I can't remember. And mm-hmm. Valerie Green was the hairstylist on that. And hey, Val. And I told her my horror story and she was like, girl, your hair is beautiful, honey. You just need to know how to work with it. And she got, told me about all the tools to use. She was my training wheels. <laughs> so good. And once she took me out on that bike and she said, now you try it. And I did it. I was set free. But again, it was still the time where our natural hair wasn't embraced. So I would do weaves and right. and things like that. So that's how Bruce Weber found me. I had my hair braided down and protected. And so I could put a weave and put the European hair in. He didn't want that. And it was a proud Mary or something, right? Mm-hmm. I decided when I was filming that, I just looked at my hair and I was like, why can't my edges ever be the same? It was like the perimeter of my hair was always shorter than the crown. And that's because that was the hair I would leave out for, you know, a week. Yeah. Or when I would press my hair, you got to get those edges really good. And it just started breaking on this damage and I was sick of it. And I was like, I have never seen my hair natural and well, I've not seen it, but I've never worn it. I've never worn it out in public. And I want to do that. So we started with an undershave. Remember that? Ooh, I did an uh-huh. undershave for when we won the SAG Award for Hidden Figures. When I did all the prize, I had an undershave. And then I was like, okay, let's just take it all off. And we took it all off. And I was so happy. But at first I was scared. And I remember going to Slickwood. Do you know that model, Slickwood? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So I found her page and I found myself up all night drinking wine, looking in the mirror like, what the hell did you do? <laughs> And I found her page and she was like bald and she had yeah. confidence that she had like the confidence. So I started making the faces she was making in the mirror and I was like, <laughs> oh, and I started messing with the hair and stuff. And then I was like, you know what? And then Tim took it a bit further and we just, because the first time he cut it, he straightened it so he can get the cut precise. And then I wet it and he showed me how to work with my hair wet. Oh, that was it. I was like, oh my God, I love my hair. I love the curl band and oh, it's beautiful. And that was the beginning of us waking up with the, the natural hair and its acceptance and yeah. Yeah. It was so invigorating. It really is. And so then I stuck to that. I was like, I'm never going to put heat in my hair again. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, what I, what I know about me is I get bored. <laughs> yeah. You like to switch it up. at Baby. That's I coined hair chameleon for TBH by Taraji because mm-hmm. I, when I first started in the industry, my manager at the time would be like, you can't, you can't change your hair up like that, babe. No, no one knows you. They got to see that face. They got to see that face. And I was like, <laughs> They know who I am. I'm a rock star inside and you can't stifle that. Like I'm going to be who I am. You know what I mean? And I understood what he was saying. Cause I would show up to the carpet and be like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a Roger Pierce. I'm like, Oh, so once I got more recognition and then when they perfected the wigs, I was like, Oh, I can do anything to my hair because I can always just put a wig on it. Yeah. And so sure. I got tired of, 
you know, now I have this hair care line, the, the products. I made this line for versatile hair because that's who I am, you know, and I'm not going to stay with my hair natural all the time. As you see, I cut it again. <laughs> yes. yes. Cool. I switched the color and I'm having fun now. And, you know, until I get sick of getting up and having to press it, I'm going to work with my natural sometimes. I might wear a weave. I just like to switch it up. And I know me, I said, I'm going to be a redhead from here on out. And you saw how quickly that last. <laughs> well, then I started noticing everybody going red. And I was like, wow, well, I don't feel so special anymore. <laughs> no, it's it's still really cool and like rock star as you said yeah yeah even though I didn't coin the color red it just I just felt like when I splashed I was like oh yes I'm a redhead now then I started looking around I'm like oh they're red too oh they're red no, too okay. yeah I don't feel so special anymore <laughs> You're, it's so cool you have your line, TPH by Taraji. And yeah. you, it seems like you have a lot of ingredients. You use a lot of ingredients that support scalp health. Yes. Like that Master Cleanse won an Allure Best of Beauty Award already. Mm -hmm. And it's all at Target, right? It's all at Target. And it's also tphbataraji.com. But it was very important for me. Okay, you got to understand. You know, I had to do weaves and protective hair care styles because I couldn't rock my hair. So I think I wore my bob in Think Like a Man, the first one. Mm. That that was my hair. No weaves, no anything. That was just my hair. And it's dangerous doing that with your hair on a project because there's so much heat and damage and you have to match. Like one scene may be curly and another scene may be straight. And you're shooting both scenes in one day. That's a bit too much heat on your hair. You know, oh, yeah. continuity so I did it that one time I did it uh, when my hair is a bit longer for a Tyler Perry movie I think it's the family that prays that was all my hair and baby boy except for mm. a couple times when she put the two ponytails that were long but baby boy that was pretty much all my hair but that was when it was relaxed I started the hair care line because when I was wearing my weaves I couldn't find products that catered to healthy scalp and hair and protecting your hair while it's in a weave and I'm a healthcare nut. So good. So good. I am, I wrap my hair at night. I mask it. I've just always been about healthy hair. I have my entire life. Even when it, I was relaxing it, my hair was very, very healthy. I would always get, is that a wig? <laughs> No, it's my hair. Don't touch it. So I've always been about healthy hair. And so when I went into the weave, I started noticing, I was like, okay, so yes, the hair is protected because it's put away, but you still have to attend to it. You can't just mm -hmm. neglect it because it needs to be moisture and your scalp. What about your scalp? When all of that stuff gets trapped down in there, what about your scalp? Cause your scalp can't grow if it's clogged, it's pores. It's like your skin, your face. Yeah. And you know, face queen, honey, I love good skin. How do we fix this? Cause I hear yeah. a girl had this weave in for like six months and they'll pull their hair out. And I'm like, what them ends look like? What that hair look like? I know it has length, but it looks dry. It, it looks like you haven't attended to it the entire six months it was under there so when it came time for me to cater to my hair I couldn't find the products <laughs> I just couldn't and even if they were out there they didn't specify this is for your scalp and it was a void for me in 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 my hair care um routine it was born out of necessity not because I wanted to be rich or I wanted to slap my name on a product no it was I made that product for me <laughs> 
that's how the best products are made. Yeah. 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 I realized that it was needed in the marketplace when I was on vacation with my girlfriend and her daughter. And they kept complaining about itchy scalp. But, oh, my God, what do I do? And I was like, well, why don't you do use with this concoction I made? And I put it all <laughs> together. And they came out. And I went, oh, my God, my scalp feels so refreshed. And I was like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. So that's how TPH was born, out of necessity. Like, pretty much anything I do. I'm not interested in just I'm whatever my name is on it's because of passion it's because I believe in it I don't I don't put my name on things for a check cool it's amazing okay switching going back to to acting for a sec you've played so many incredible and incredibly diverse women on screen Uh, a NASA mathematician very different types of mothers in in Empire and in Benjamin Button a pregnant prostitute and hustling flow, <laughs> so many. And in playing these characters, do you ever get insight into your actual life as a woman, a mother, a black woman? Do you oh, as an uh, yeah, as an artist, you know, painters, visual artists, musicians, actors, we are vulnerable. The, I mean, just the notion of creating something and opening it up and saying, hey, judge it, throw darts at it, trash, tomatoes, love it, whatever. That's a vulnerable place to live, you know? Yeah. But that's what makes us who we are as artists, right? And so I always believe an artist is always sharing a part of themselves, whether it's in their music, in their visual art, or whether it's in my work as an actress. You know, when I show a character's pain or happiness or joy, it, mm. a little bit of my stuff creeps in there because I have to pull from life experiences to get me emotionally somewhere. Then what I'm doing is I'm giving you a little peek into maybe some of my pain. I'm not explaining it to you, but when you see my face and my body react to these emotions, it's real because it's coming from a real place in my life. A lot of times, sometimes if I've never been there, I have to create it. But most times when you create those emotions or you have to tap into those emotions, you have to tap into some triggers in your own life, which is sort of therapeutic if you allow yourself to really tap in. I would imagine it could be therapeutic or super scary or both. Yeah, but I have a therapist too, so (laughs) (laughs) to get me back to zero. (laughs) Was there a moment acting wise like a moment where you were like okay I have made it I want to feel like I made it because then I feel like there's no place to grow you know if I ever felt like I made it then I'm done I made it where else do you go from made it (laughs) (laughs) I guess I won't made I'll say arrived and people started taking me seriously when I stopped having to audition for roles when I was just getting offers Mm. that's when I felt like okay I've transitioned into uh, a higher plateau in the levels of this shit because there's levels to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Definitely. <laughs> no actress wants to be typecast, obviously, but being a black woman myself, I imagine that that's probably even more of a concern for a black actress. Yeah. Not wanting to play characters that fulfill, you know, certain stereotypes. And in your book, you talked about initially refusing to consider playing Cookie Lion, your famous yeah. character on Empire. What made you change your mind about her? I'm going to take you back. When I did Baby Boy, that was 
I mean, I guess the role was so well done and I was not a name yet. People thought that's who I was. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a part of me. I'm from the hood. I'm, I got edge to me, but I'm a trained actress. I've done Shakespeare in the park. Euripides, <laughs> you name it. I've done it. Check off. I went to a black university where we could play anything. It wasn't about skin color. We could pick whatever the greatest piece of literature. I could play Othello if I wanted to, because that was the place where we created. And so I didn't have any barriers. Anybody saying you can't do that because you're not white or you can't do that. Because I'm telling you, when I went to Howard University, baby, it wasn't about a look. It wasn't about how pretty your hair was, how thin you were. It was about, can you hit this mark? Can you hit this note? Can you make that pe- that person in that last row in the back of that house feel it? It ain't about what you look like. So you had to scrap it out at Howard. You really had to be good. Like, it wasn't about none of this stuff. Yeah. So when I got to L.A., that was jarring for me. You yeah. know, and then they would be mm-hmm. like, oh, she's too edgy. And it's like, okay, so what I'm not going to do is change who I am. I, this is who I am. But they don't see you as a blank slate when you walk into, you know, a blank canvas, when you walk into these rooms, they're already judging you by how you sound, how you talk. Right. And it's like, but I'm not auditioning right now. I'm just talking to you as myself. But when it's time for me to switch it, I can do it. And I was so busy still being judged by, okay, well, she's only played, you know, baby boy. And so I had to be very strategic about the roles that I took after baby boy. That's why I went to Lifetime and I did that, um, lifetime television series where I played a rookie cop that was not hood at all. She was raised in San Francisco by lesbian mothers. You know what I mean? I was uh-huh. very strategic about because I kept getting sick of hearing about she's got this, she's got too much age. So the fuck what? I'm a trained actress. Give me, let me show. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't have to bang my head against the wall. <laughs> now you can be as edgy as you want to. No one's judging you. I'm like, okay, where were you guys <laughs> thinking when I was coming up? <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Have you seen the, you know, the move to diversify multimedia inspired by Black Lives Matter? Have you seen it manifested in Hollywood? Like, do you think the industry is actually really changing at this point? Yeah, absolutely. I never was a person that I saw holes in the loopholes and where we could be better in, in Hollywood with diversifying, but I couldn't wallow in the muck. Work had to be done keep breaking through the ceiling so that it can be easier as we go along. But I can't keep harping on what's bad. I can't keep saying, oh, it's so bad out here because if I do that, I'm owning that. So what I would do is I would flip the narrative. Yes, I I notice it, but the work I'm doing is going to change that. And so that's how I've kind of carried myself uh, through Uh, my career. Because if you keep talking about how hard something is, then that's what you're asking the universal. Make it harder, you know? Right, right. We have a lot of single mom energy going on at Goop. Yes. I love what you said in your book about the ugly stereotypes about single mothers and black single mothers in particular, that the assumption the child must have come from a loveless union, the mother Mm -hmm. was promiscuous, fooled, uneducated. How did you combat that bias? I never fed into it because I know what I am. So I don't, I never felt like that. I didn't because I finished school. I carried my baby across the stage. I collected my phone and I came to LA on a mission. Yeah. I didn't pay it any mind because yeah. I was like, you will see what kind, you know, what you need to do is pick out how you want your crow. You have to eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The career watching people eat crow. How would you like it? Roasted, fried, 
got some great deep frying crow for you. So, you know, that's me. I love to be told no. I hate it, but challenge me. Tell me no and watch me rise. Oh, I loved, I mean, the story of how you took action when a teacher at at your son Marcel's school tried to hold him back a grade purely because of his looks, meaning the color of his skin. Every parent's got to read that part of your book. Like, it's so powerful. Can you tell me what happened? Because it's so great. Well, I just felt like he was being picked on for some reason or that he was being singled out for some reason, or even if they did see something, they didn't know how to articulate it. And I felt some kind of way about you wanting to hold my son back. He didn't fail anything. He wasn't even remotely close to getting a D in anything. And you're saying you want to hold him back because he's a preemie and you feel like he's emotionally immature. Like he's about Mm -hmm. to go to the ninth grade. Like twice in his life, they tried to say he was ADD. And when he was in elementary school, and I was like, you want me to drug my child because you don't want to do your job. (laughs) again my son isn't failing anything he's a kid the fuck (laughs) kids are supposed to be kids they have a lot of energy let me tell you if i grew up during this ad and i'm not listening i believe you know i'm an advocate for mental health Mm -hmm. i believe in mental health i believe add is a real disorder it's a real mental health issue i get it but my son wasn't suffering from it yeah yeah And you're not going to drug my black son up because you feel some kind of way. Right. That's his mom. I would know if he was ADD. My son, he was rambunctious like me. That's what kids are. They bounce off the wall. They have energy that adults don't have. That's what makes them kids. They're supposed to be that that energy. And then when you get older, that energy, you'll be like, oh, I remember when I was a kid. I used to run up and down this hill 10 times. You know, that's what kids do. Now we're in the age of technology See, my technology when I grew up was go outside, don't let flies in my house, don't let the air out my house, close the door, you let the heat out, and get your ass back home when the street lights come on. <laughs> yeah. So my dad on PS5 was digging in the dirt, playing hopscotch outside, jumping rope, riding a bike around the neighborhood, you know? And so now I think, and I'm not, listen, please, I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying and take it as I'm judging or saying this is how you need to raise your kid. I'm not saying that in any way. What I'm saying is that technology, I don't know if it's helped us as much as it has harmed us, especially in raising children. Yeah, totally agree. We can't protect them anymore. We can't protect their innocence anymore. Yeah, at all. (laughs) Harsh. You know how hard I had to work to find a naked picture? (laughs) (laughs) That is a good point. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Taraji, switching gears again, when Jean and I were coming up with questions, we were like, at one point we were like, wait, she is Benjamin Button. I just arrived. Just Just arrived. arrived (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the decade. Thank you. you. (laughs) Your skin is glowing and flawless. Why, why do you look like this? Why? <laughs> is it jeans? Is it, is it skincare? Is it being vegan? Is it exercise? I'm actually going to have to give it to Jean because all <laughs> my, my grandmother is 96 and she doesn't look a day over 70. I mean, she's young. She's spry. I, I honestly would have to say that's just how it is. Like my dad looked 20 years younger than his age until he passed away. That's when, when he, well, 
when cancer started to eat away at his body, that's when his hair, he didn't have gray hair. He had a head full of hair still at 50. He was 58 when he passed. He had a head full of hair, full of hair, full of hair. And I mean, he was still slim. I mean, he did start to gain a little bit, but like up until my dad's 40s, he was slim. My mom, I take care of myself. I'm not fully vegan anymore because it was hard. I ain't gonna lie. It was hard. Yeah. to strictly stay vegan. But I'm very careful about, you know, what I'm putting in my body and it's organic farm. You know how you have to do it if you're going to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and skincare, have you always been into skincare or did it evolve? Let me tell you, I really don't do a lot to my face. I oh, wash it. <laughs> I, wa- I use Biore. I love Biore to wash my face. I use Yes makeup wipes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been using Paul Sherry moisturizing cream for over 20 years, the pH balance cream. I've been using it for years. I've tried everything. I've tried the expensive creams. I've tried them all. And a lot of them have a lot of water in it and it just sits on my face. The Paul Sherry just it goes right into my skin. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> it is definitely not broke. <laughs> yeah, it's not broke. So that's what I use. I just started using a vitamin C serum. I like the way it feels on my face. It just helps with the moisture. We talk a lot about wellness at Goop. And at the core of what's called wellness is basic mental health. Mm. And your new show, Peace of Mind, explores mental health. And you founded a mental health organization named after your dad, what do you think are the key factors affecting the mental health crisis in America? Like, what do you think needs to be done? It needs to be included in your insurance. <laughs> <laughs> that would help. <laughs> yeah, because people can't afford it, especially in the African-American community. Well, not more, we don't talk about it. And then we can't afford it. Well, mm-hmm. I say we because I'm African-American. I, I can afford it. But I noticed that, you know people are suffering they're hurting they're trying to be strong and strong black woman and 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 black girl magic is dangerous um because it dehumanizes us it makes us seem like we're immortal and we can take it whatever the pain is we can take it because we're strong and we're magical and it's so unfair even though i understand the thought behind it yeah black women are at the bottom of the totem pole so we need something to make us feel incredible so we took on strong black woman but again you're, you want to be human. Yeah. Be human. <laughs> like, I'm not a superwoman. I'm not. Yeah. I get tired. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like I don't want to, I need help. You know, all the things. <laughs> You've experienced domestic violence. Mm-hmm. What can people embroiled in or adjacent to abusive relationships do to break free and restore their confidence? First is just get knowing that you don't deserve that. You deserve better. And that comes from learning how to love yourself. Because if you love yourself, you won't accept it. And until you get to that place of loving yourself, because uh, as long as you stay in an abusive relationship, you're telling the abuser that, that you, you're, it's okay with you. Right. And it's dysfunctional. Right. And the only way you stop an abuser is you leave them. <laughs> <laughs> It's right. like a dog. Once a dog tastes blood, he ain't going back to kibbles. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a really powerful image you brought up of like, you know, gotta go. Because it's only going to get worse. It's never going to get better. Any movie that you've seen, enough with J-Lo. He would mm-hmm. buy her pretty things and she would accept them and he would apologize. Listen to me. It is never going to get better. 
This is a character flaw in this human who needs help. It's never going to get better. And you are not a professional. There is nothing you can do to change that person, but leave. The only thing you can do is change yourself in it. Back to mental health. But do you see a role for religion playing in, in moving society toward better mental health? Well, the thing about religion, you have to be careful in the black community because we have been told to pray our problems away for a long, ain't nothing wrong with you, talk to God. And it's like, yeah, but mm. something is wrong. And God is great. And I believe in God. And I think with the combination of your religious belief and getting the help you need with the both of that, you find success. You can't have one without the other. In my opinion, now some people, you know, I don't judge. It's who, what you believe, but I'm a faith-based person. And I know that faith has gotten me a long way in my life. And with the mental piece, God anointed all of us with talents, right? Like I'm an artist and that's how I touch people through my art. God also anointed doctors, therapists, and psychiatrists. (laughs) I love that. You know, so the pastor ain't it. That ain't what God anointed him with. Yeah. So you got to separate the two what is next for you and and you also have a production company yes entertainment are there new projects that you're excited about oh my goodness the i guess the first off is my directorial debut and it's a coming of age story with a black girl and if this story means so much to me it's called two-face it means so much to me because When I was growing up, me and my best friend, we've been best friends since seventh grade. She's on my television show with me. She runs my um, foundation and she's darker than me. When we were growing up, her pain was my pain. I saw how the fellas like look past her over and would come to me like, but she's beautiful too. And actually she had the body, but they would sexualize her. Mm -hmm. And that didn't work with me because if she's hurting, I'm hurting. And I hated that. And as we were growing up, we looked for images to co- connect with, to make us feel good about ourselves. And all we had was Molly Ringwall and the Brat Pack. <laughs> and the reason why we identified with Molly was because she was poor and she came from a single family home. But again, culturally, it still was a miss, but we had something to hold on to, you know? So, you know, a lot of therapy, when you finally get bold enough to take care of yourself and you, and you seek therapy, all you're doing is healing the little you. And so with this film, that's what I want to do. I want to heal the little me and my little best friend and whoever this star that I'm going to find, she's going to be chocolate because I have work to do. I got healing to do for our, my little T and my little T, my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> but oh I just, God. you know, coming of age, I did, we didn't have it. Yeah. I'm finding my work as a producer and a director more important to me now because that that's a stronger position to play in Hollywood. And I'm trying to tell the kids that, like, stop trying to be in front of it. I mean, that's great. Yeah, you want to be an actor. But at some point in your life, you're going to have to parlay that into something else. Or you may not want to. You might want to just work for the rest of your life. But I just find it that you're not at the mercy of the industry if you have other hats. Because... yeah. Definitely. You know, what yeah. if the writers go on strike or the actors go, then what? Well, yeah. Then what you got? <laughs> you True. Know? And why not expand? You know, why, why not? not? We're the age of brand building anyway. You can't just wear one hat anymore. <laughs> Tell us. You'll go broke. <laughs> True. Yeah. Definitely go broke without 
Thank you so much for being, this is so fantastic. Thank you for, for talking to us. Yeah, really thank you. Thank you guys. And I love what Goop is doing. I think it's just incredible. It's self-care and every nook and cranny. And that's what we need as women. We do. Sure. The world beats up on us, huh? It does. Ooh, we got not- out. We done birthed the whole population and look how they treat us. That was a really, really inspiring one. I just want to yeah. be her. <laughs> she is, she's got it all. She's got it going on. She really does. I so related to the hair thing at the beginning when she was talking about like her mom holding her down to like get, untangle her hair. I do not have the same hair type at all. And my mom used to cut my hair like super short short enough that everyone thought I was a boy just so she wouldn't have to go through the tangles and the you know me yelling and once once when I was I don't know what age but like I bit the hairdresser that was like trying to cut my hair like I bit my hand (laughs) so I was just like I don't want you're like I don't want to be a boy anymore (laughs) and you like you always fought with your mom right yeah, I had a similar thing with her. My mom, it was like such a struggle because I had all these burrs and tangles in my hair and we were always late for school. So my mom started doing my hair in my nursery school and it was just such a thing like in the corner and I'd be like whimpering while she like raked a comb through. Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> oh, I still like not kidding. Like after my hair grew out, I remember in junior high, I just had crazy knots in my hair and everyone in my junior high me about it like that's how bad it was really yes oh my god like all the time like it took and then in eighth grade it sort of I don't know I figured it out did you brush your hair though I mean I think I did (laughs) obviously wasn't very talented at it and I don't I like knots like it's cool and haphazard but no this was like crazy (laughs) this was full cray Everybody has their awkward faces. Seventh grade yeah. is definitely mine. Yeah, everyone has a hair moment. She really, she lit up about hair. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, her her hairline sounds incredible. She just has really incredible confidence. She's just, yeah, it's, that's just her thing. What what she said about being a single mom and, and the stereotypes, all of those things, all those biases just roll right off her, it seems. Yeah, she said this one thing that I really struck me is like because she was talking about being at that photo shoot where she felt very vulnerable because she had braided hair instead of her wig that she was having and Bruce Weber was like no you look beautiful come out and I was like oh was it when you saw the picture of yourself you know that yeah you were excited she was like no you know it was the way the men at the at the shoot all reacted to me I was like oh they definitely think I'm beautiful now and I thought that the thing that people rarely speak about now because we have this kind of cultural narrative around like confidence has to come from within mm-hmm. and it's like we're social creatures the reality is I'm sure we can all think back to different people or groups of people in our lives that that saw us in a different way and that that gave us confidence it's you know true. especially our message to girls is always like love your body just by yourself or love how you look just right. by yourself you know and it's it, to pretend that it's not a social phenomenon is kind of not yeah. quite right. I mean, of course, yeah. you want to try to love yourself. She clearly has that inner confidence, but she's also to sort of able to take from the environment and go, oh, you like this? Okay, I'm going to look at it again. Yeah, it's remarkable. And, and that's also why it's so important you need to see 
yourself reflected in the media. Yes. Television, on screen, and in articles. Like, if you don't see people that look like you, it just doesn't reaffirm any, any thoughts you have that you might be beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I love what, you know, that project she was talking about, like okay. where she was like me and my friend and I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> it sounds so good. <laughs> so cool. She has been like, she's directing, like she doesn't stop. She, she doesn't stop. And she just clearly yeah, has the, it's confidence to sort of be like, Oh, now I'm going to do this. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like I've met people in life who've like, you know, grown into bloomed. And mm-hmm. I, just, I just feel like there are certain people who are born with, or, or that's just in them, you know, yeah. confidence. Like, I'm not saying you can't develop it, but it's, yeah, like she had that from the go. Like she had an energy and, and she talked about how like her parents, you know, encouraged uh-huh. it and made her feel like a star. And I mean, you know, everybody would love that, you know, little kid. Yeah. Maybe that. <laughs> I got to remember that. Thing. Oh yeah true <laughs> it's very true but she, she was amazing and she is like beyond gorgeous I oh mean, my god her skin her skin. her skin and then she's like i do nothing and you're like yeah. okay yeah just, just like oh yeah <laughs> but it, it's kind of comforting in a way for her to be like yeah my entire family is like incredibly youthful and beautiful <laughs> yeah because yeah. Sometimes you want to go, yeah, that's just how it is. What it is, yeah. Yeah. You said the thing about how she, you know, the stereotypes about single moms and particularly black single moms that like the child wasn't born out of love, you know, that they were an uneducated, uneducated, you know, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I felt that growing up, like with my single mom. Really? Like the people made that assumption? Yeah, I did. I definitely feel a different thing. Like when I became a single mom, I would be with my kids and I would assume people thought that I was hard to get along with <laughs> or, yeah, or that, or that there was some ugly, you know, I just, it wasn't about that I was promiscuous necessarily or something like that. It was that I was, but that I'd done something wrong along the way. Was it you like, know? more like, you're a bitch? Yeah. Like that, I like, oh, it always made me feel a little like some like real housewife. Huh. You know, like, like if you talk to me, I'd be like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. And that I had done some or sometimes. Yeah, no. I, and, and it's hard to know, you know, it's, it's you're just imagining what other I people know. think. But people do think something. People think something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like, you know, they they definitely put a narrative. They put in a story to any single mom that they meet, I think, you know. I remember my, yeah, my mom was a single mom and I went to a, you know, a a ritzy private school. I was on scholarship and most people were white and most of the parents were married. And I remember I was on a play date and my friend's mom was like, oh, you have a brother? Like, who's his dad? Oh my God. Yeah. And and my friend's like, mom, you know, like my friend sensed it was like horrible. We were like 10. But yeah. and I was just like, oh, like that is what it seems. Like my mom just like had a bunch of kids. <laughs> it's so funny when you know your mom. Just I like, know, like opposite. Mom, my like New Yorker bookish mom. But yeah, it yeah. couldn't be farther from the truth, the stereotype. But people people do think that and it burns. Yeah, that is that is and that they'd like just think it was like, so yeah. okay, like so normal. And so, of course, what happened that they'd say it to a child, you know, 
yeah. like that, that that wouldn't even be hurtful because of course that's what ha- like it's just like whoa yeah yeah that is nutty I guess and I I guess my mom was a single mom also but I for some reason like, like I it was obviously I'm white and people made very different assumptions but it was in you know like the 70s in California and I feel like it was sort of like modern and fabulous to be divorced at the point. Yeah. <laughs> different spin. Yeah. It was a different spin. I mean, it wasn't easy. It was like the same deal of like no money, all these things. Right. But, you know, it, it, it didn't have, it kind of, it seems like it got worse again, or maybe it was just being in Northern California. <laughs> I'm surprised. That's, that's surprising to me that you, that that's the stereotype you felt like the, that you're difficult. I've never heard that before. Yeah, That's, well, I always, I yeah. get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I just, I never thought of it. I've never thought of that before as being something as, someone would think, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad we talked about being a single mom because, and how, what you felt from being a single mom, it just shows that there's, there's so many different biases thrown at you when you're, yeah. a single, no matter what you look like. And to make it kind of realize that it's all your perception. And if we could, if we could yeah. be a little more like Taraji and be like, let me just roll right off of me, you know, that because it is sort of your perception. And of course, it's other people's judgments, but, you know, not to let them stop you, like she said. So on the site, I do a column called Megan Tries It, and you do one called Ask Jean. And we get a whole bunch of beauty questions. And we're going to answer them all here right now. <laughs> Yes. So should we get into today's Ask Me Anythings or maybe Ask Us Anything? Yes. And if anyone's listening and has a question they want us to answer here, just send it over to Goop on Instagram or Facebook. It could be about self-tanner, crow's feet, dry shampoo, parabens, our favorite bath soak, non-toxic lube. Or anything else. Now to today's question. This one's from Catherine S. What should I be doing to improve and moisturize my armpits? I have bumps and my underarms are super sensitive. Okay, so I have never heard of someone who needs to moisturize their armpits. I feel like (laughs) this is an area where most people are having the opposite issue. Catherine says she has bumps and her underarms are super sensitive. So I think it's much less about moisturizing and much more about using a formula that does not have baking soda in it. If you're in the clean world already, you're, you're not using a formula that has fragrances and parabens and aluminum, all those things that could potentially irritate your underarms, which are super extra sensitive if you shave. They're also more receptive to whatever stuff you're putting on them. And so that's one of the reasons the first thing I would say to go clean with is is deodorant. Within the clean world, there are deodorants that have baking soda in them, and they're very effective, but there is a portion of the population who is sensitive to baking soda, and you will get bumps and irritation, and you'll be like, this is the worst deodorant I've ever tried. (laughs) In that case, there are ones that are made without baking soda. My favorite at the moment that we sell on Goop is from a brand called Mega Babe, and I love their green deodorant. It's just, it has the best scent. It's super sophisticated, and it really works, and it doesn't have baking soda. In like, say, a Whole Foods or a drugstore, there's Schmitz, which I love. And Schmitz makes deodorants that have both baking soda and ones without baking soda. And I love the one without baking soda that's like the green tea fragrance. It's so great. So that's what I think, Catherine, you should just switch up your deodorant and hopefully you'll have less irritation. 
And you know, know what else I think could help Catherine? Mm-hmm. I think that like, cause this has happened to me. Sometimes I shave too much and it's mm-hmm. just like, I'm trying to be like less anal about like shaving my armpit. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. I mean, they, that's, that's the thing. If you are using, like, say you're just like, I must use conventional antiperspirant or something, just know that every time you shave, you know, it's, it's opening up, making little micro tears in your skin and those ingredients like parabens and artificial fragrance, which, you know, can contain pretty much anything, um, are, are going, you know, right into your body there. So I, yeah, go clean with deodorant. That's what I say. That's it for today's episode. Thanks again for joining us on the Goop Beauty Closet. You can learn more about our podcast series at goop.com slash beautyclosetpodcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen to other great episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Bye.